Welcome to Lore Club, an audio narrative podcast where a bunch of friends from all over the internet come together to bring lore from our favorite games, fandoms, and more to life. First off, I wanted to apologize for the gap between episodes this time around. We were already intending on taking a break after this episode came out. We just accidentally started some of that break a little early. More on that later. You're about to listen to the final chapter of A Dance in Fire, a book of in-universe historical fiction from the Elder Scrolls series. If you haven't listened to the rest of the book, you can head back and start from the beginning of this book at episode 22. Now, let's finish this. Sylvanar, Valenwood, Thirteen Suns Dusk, Third Era, 397. The banquet at the Palace of the Sylvanar was well attended by every jealous bureaucrat and traitor who had attempted to contract the rebuilding of Valenwood. They looked on Decimus Scotty, Leotis Eurus, and Bast with undisguised hatred. It made Scotty very uncomfortable, but Eurus delighted in it. As the servants brought in platter after platter of roasted meats, Eurus poured himself a cup of Yaga and toasted the clerk. I can confess it now, said Eurus. I had grave doubts about inviting you to join me on this adventure. All the other clerks and agents of building commissions I contacted were more outwardly aggressive, but none of them made it through, let alone to the audience chambers of the Sylvanor, let alone brokered the deals on their own like you did. Come, have a cup of Jaga with me. Uh, no, 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 thank you, said Scotty. I had too much of that drug in Falinesti, and nearly got sucked dry by a giant tick because of it. I'll find something else to drink. Scotty wandered about the hall until he saw some diplomats drinking mugs of a steaming brown liquid, poured from a large silver urn. He asked them if it was tea. Tea? Made from leaves? <laughs> Not in Valenwood. This is Rotmeth. Scotty poured himself a mug and took a tentative sip. It was gamey, bitter and sugared, and very salty. At first, it seemed very disagreeable to his palate, but a moment later... He found he had drained the mug and was pouring another. His body tingled. All the sounds in the chamber seemed oddly disjointed, but not frighteningly so. So, you're the fellow who got those Sylvanar to sign all those contracts, said the second diplomat. That must have required some deep negotiation. Not at all, not at all. Just a little basic understanding of mercantile trading, grinned Scotty, pouring himself a third mug of Rotmeth. The Sylvanar was very eager to involve the Imperial State with the affairs of Valenwood. I was very eager to take a percentage of the commission. With all that blessed eagerness, it was merely a matter of putting Quill to contract. Bless you. You've been in the employ of His Imperial Majesty very long? Asked the first diplomat. It's a bite! Or rather, a bit more complicated than that in the Imperial City. Between you and me, I don't really have a job. I used to work for Lord Atreus and his building commission, but I got sacked. And then the contracts are from Lord Vanek and his building commission, because I got him from this fellow Reglius, who is a competitor but still a very fine fellow. Until he was made dead by those Kajiti. Scotty drained his fifth mug. <clears throat> when I go back to the Imperial City, then the real negotiations can begin. Bless you. I can go my old employer, and Lord Vanek, and say, Look here, you. Which one of you wants these commissions? And they'll fall over each other to take them from me. It'll be a bidding war for my percentage, the likes of which no one nowhere has ever seen. 
So you're not a representative of his imperial majesty, the emperor? Asked the first diplomat. Then you hear what I'm said? You stupid? Scotty felt a surge of rage, which quickly subsided. He chuckled and poured himself a seventh mug. The building commissions are privately owned, but they're still representatives of the emperor. So I'm a representative of the emperor, or I, I will be when I get these contracts in. It's very complicated. I can understand why you're not following me. Bless you. It's all like the poet said. A dance and fire, if you follow the illusion. That is to say, illusion. And your colleagues, are they representatives of the emperor? <laughs> Scotty burst into laughter, shaking his head. The diplomats bade him their respects and went to talk to the minister. Scotty stumbled out of the palace and reeled through the strange, organic avenues and boulevards of the city. It took him several hours to find his way to Prithala Hall and his room. Once there, he slept very nearly on his bed. The next morning, he woke to Eurus and Bast in his room, shaking him. He felt half asleep and unable to open his eyes fully, but otherwise fine. The conversation with the diplomats floated in his mind like a haze, like an obscure childhood memory. What in Mara's name is Rotmeth? He asked quickly. Rancid, strongly fermented meat juices with uh, lots of spices to kill the poisons. Smiled Bast. I should have warned you to stay with Jaga. You must understand the meat mandate by now. Laughed Eurus. These Bosmiri would rather eat each other than touch the fruit of the vine or the field. What did I say to those diplomats? Cried Scotty, panicking. Nothing bad, apparently. Said Eurus, pulling out some papers. Your escorts are downstairs to bring you to the Imperial province. Here are your papers of safe passage. The Sylvanar seems very impatient about business proceeding forward rapidly. He promises to send you some sort of rare treasure when the contracts are fulfilled. See, he's already given me something. Eurus showed off his new, bejeweled earring. A beautiful, large, faceted ruby. Bast showed that he had a similar one. The two fat fellows left the room so Scotty could dress and pack. A full regiment of the Sylvanar's guards was on the street in front of the tavern. They surmounted a carriage crested with the official arms of Valenwood. Still dazed, Scotty climbed in and the captain of the guard gave the signal. They began a quick gallop. Scotty shook himself and then peered behind. Bast and Eurus were waving him goodbye. Wait! Aren't you coming back to the Imperial Province too? The Sylvanar asked that we stay behind as Imperial representatives, yelled Leotis Eurus. In case there's a need for more contracts and negotiations, he's appointed us Andre, some sort of special honor for foreigners at court. Don't worry, lots of banquets to attend. You can handle the negotiations with Vanek and Andreas himself. Eurus continued to yell advice about business, but his voice became indistinct with distance. Soon it disappeared altogether as the convoy rounded the streets of Sylvanar. The jungle loomed suddenly, and then they were in it. Scotty had only gone through it by foot or along the rivers by slow-moving boats. Now it flashed all around him in profusions of greens. The horses seemed even faster moving through the underbrush than on the smooth paths of the city. None of the weird sounds or dank smells of the jungle penetrated the escort. It felt to Scotty as if he were watching a play about the jungle with a background of quickly moving scrim, which offered only the merest suggestion of the place. So it went for two weeks. There was lots of food and water in the carriage with the clerk, so he merely ate and slept as the caravan pressed endlessly on. 
From time to time, he'd hear the sounds of blades clashing, but when he looked around, whatever had attacked the caravan had long since been left behind. At last, they reached the border, where an imperial garrison was stationed. Scotty presented the soldiers who met the carriage with the papers. They asked him a barrage of questions that he answered monosyllabically, and then let him pass. It took several more days to arrive at the gates of the imperial city. The horses that had flown so fast through the jungle now slowed down in the unfamiliar territory of the wooded Colovian estates. By contrast, the cries of his province's birds and smells of his province's plant life brought Decimus Scotty alive. It was as if he had been dreaming all these past months. At the gates of the city, Scotty's carriage door was opened for him and he stepped out on uncertain legs. Before he had a moment to say something to the escort, they had vanished, galloping back south through the forest. The first thing he did, now that he was home, was go to the closest tavern and have tea and fruit and bread. If he never ate meat again, he told himself, that would suit him very nicely. Negotiations with Lord Atreus and Lord Vanek proceeded immediately thereafter. It was most agreeable, both commissions recognized how lucrative the rebuilding of Valenwood would be for their agency. Lord Vanek claimed, quite justifiably, that as the contracts had been written on forms notarized by his commission, he had the legal right to them. Lord Atreus claimed that Decimus Scotty was his agent and representative, and that he had never been released from employment. The Emperor was called to arbitrate, but he claimed to be unavailable. His advisor, the Imperial Battle Mage Jagar Tharn, had disappeared long ago and could not be called on for his wisdom and impartial mediation. Scotty lived very comfortably off the bribes from Lord Atreus and Lord Vanek. Every week, a letter would arrive from Eurus or Bast, asking about the status of negotiations. Gradually, these letters ceased coming, and more urgent ones came from the Minister of Trade and the Sylvanar himself. The War of the Blue Divide with Somerset Isle ended with the Altmeri winning several new coastal islands from the Wood Elves. The war with Elsewhere continued, ravaging the eastern borders of Valenwood. Still, Vanek and Atreus fought over who would help. One fine morning, in the early spring of the year Third Era 398, a courier arrived at Decimus Scotty's door. Lord Vanek has won the Valenwood Commission, and requests that you and the contracts come to his hall at your earliest convenience. Has Lord Atreus decided not to challenge further? Asked Scotty. He's been unable to, having died very suddenly just now, from a terribly unfortunate accident, said the courier. Scotty had wondered how long it would be before the Dark Brotherhood was brought in for final negotiations. As he walked toward Lord Vanek's building commission, a long, severe piece of architecture on a minor but respectable plaza, he wondered if he had played the game as he ought to have. Could Vanek be so rapacious as to offer him a lower percentage of the commission now that his chief competitor was dead? Thankfully, he discovered, Lord Vanek had already decided to pay Scotty what he had proposed during the heat of the winter negotiations. His advisors had explained to him that other, lesser building commissions might come forward unless the matter were handled quickly and fairly. Glad we have all the legal issues done with, said Lord Vanek, fondly. Now we can get to the business of helping the poor Boss Mary and collecting the profits. It's a pity you weren't our representative for all the troubles with Bendermark and the Arnesian business. But there will be plenty more wars, I'm sure of that. Scotty and Lord Vanek sent word to the Sylvanar that at last they were prepared to honor the contracts. 
A few weeks later, they held a banquet in honor of the profitable enterprise. Decimuscati was the darling of the imperial city, and no expense was spared to make it an unforgettable evening. As Scotty met the nobles and wealthy merchants who would be benefiting from his business dealings, an exotic but somehow faintly familiar smell rose in the ballroom. He traced it to its source, a thick roasted slab of meat, so long and thick it covered several platters. The Cyrodiilic revelers were eating it ravenously, unable to find the words to express their delight at its taste and texture. Mm. It's nothing like I've ever had before. Holy crap, it's like pig fed for Edison! Do you see the marbling of fat and meat? It's a masterpiece! Scotty went to take a slice, but then he saw something embedded deep in the dried and rendered roast. He nearly collided with his new employer, Lord Vanek, as he stumbled back. Where, 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 where did this come from? Scotty stammered. From our client, the Sylvanar. Beamed his lordship. It's some kind of local delicacy they call anthropo. Scotty vomited and didn't stop for some time. It cast rather a temporary pall on the evening, but when Decimus Scotty was carried off to his manor house, the guests continued to dine. The anthrapa was the delight of all. Even more so when Lord Vanek himself took a slice and found the first of two rubies buried within. How very clever of the Bosmer to invent such a dish, the Cyrodiils agreed. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You just heard the seventh and final chapter of A Dance in Fire. We're leaving the Elder Scrolls universe behind for now, but we've got something a little more eldritch headed your way next, so get subscribed if you aren't already. And hey, while you're at it, tell a friend about us or say hi online. You can find us everywhere at lore underscore club, and you should know that sharing our show is the best way to support it. Our cast this time around included Mikhail Sunday as Bast, Allison Schilling as Courier, Alexander Alston as Decumus Scotty, Charlie Strom as Diplomat and Reveler, Christopher Pickett as Diplomat, Jason Causey as Eurus, Zachary Sweet as Lord Vanek, myself as Narrator, Jonathan Dockel as Reveler, and Oliver W. as Reveler. Our intro and outro music is by me, and available to you for the low, low price of royalty-free. Our artwork is by Jonathan Dockel. This episode was edited and produced by me, Joseph R. Strom. You can find everyone's links, additional credits, and a transcript of today's production in the show notes at thefanit.com slash loreclub. That's T-H-E-F-A-N-E-T dot com slash loreclub. And before you go, I want to let you know that we'll be off for about a month or so while we prepare for the show's sort of second season, if you want to call it that. In the meantime, please take care of yourself, drink enough water, relax your jaw, and remember that you are loved. And if you're not feeling great right now, remember that every feeling is temporary. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back. We'll be back.